Teamwork makes the dream work. Confidence is everything in an interview. When I say listening, I mean listening with your ears and your eyes. While you're improvising in a scene, failure really doesn't exist. Hey everybody, welcome to PepsiCo's Unexpected Professor Podcast. I'm your host, John Palumbo. Now, this podcast was created for all you college students out there who have probably heard about all those skills that you're going to need when you get out into the quote-unquote real world or into the workforce. Skills like listening, and I mean really listening, um, establishing trust, networking, being a team player, even, even dealing with failure. Now, the thing is, these aren't skills that they spend a lot of time teaching you in college. When you start to look for help, maybe, maybe you go out onto, the, out onto the web or what have you, you end up finding a lot of the same old tips and advice and strategies from, from very expected sources. And, and while that's all good to know, what we wanted to do with this podcast was help you in a very different way. We don't just want you to learn from those expected sources. We want you to learn from unexpected sources as well. And the reason why is because tapping into unexpected sources, that's something that's done every day at PepsiCo um, to help employees learn skills, to um, build new products and innovations, or just to help everybody in the organization think differently. And each episode of this podcast is, is going to give you the opportunity to experience that philosophy, that approach, while helping you build those real-world skills that you keep hearing about. Now... All that said, today's unexpected professor is improv teacher Katie Mushlin. Hey, Katie. Thanks for being here. Hey, John. Thanks so much for having me. Now, if you're wondering why an improv teacher, just consider all those skills that I just mentioned mentioned a little earlier. Listening, establishing trust, being a team player, even dealing with failure. Those are things that sit at the core of improv. So we figured we'd see what we could learn from Katie. Now, in the way of a little bit of background about Katie, she's a graduate of the Second City Conservatory and Improv Olympic. She's uh, a current improv faculty member at AMDA College of Conservatory of the Performing Arts, also at the Lee Strasberg Institute, and also at Comedy Playground in Los Angeles. So what I'm going to do is ask Katie a bunch of questions about improv, about the classes, about the exercises that they use, to find strategies that you can leverage when you get out into the workforce. Okay, so, so, so let's get started. So Katie, we've all heard about improv. We've all seen movies or TV shows that feature improv classes or maybe improv troops. troops and, and usually they're, they're made up of these wannabe actors who are, who are sometimes doing all these really interesting, maybe even a little wacky um, exercises, and we'll go into those a little bit later, or they're up on stage doing scenes for the class or an audience. And, and I'm, I'm not sure if the way TV shows or movies portray improv is all that accurate. So maybe you could tell us what improv actually is, who takes improv classes, what happens in an improv class, things like that. Cool, yeah. Improv is really any type of performance without a script. Improv can be spoken, it can be movement, it's just any time you're creating something in the moment using your own artistic voice. The cool thing about an improv class is truly anyone can take an improv class. My week spans from homeless children living in Skid Row to teenagers working on current television shows to college students performing, perfecting their craft, adults wanting to improve their work lives. More and more 
quote, non-improvisers are taking improv classes because these tools are just tools for everyone to connect with, not only performers and not only professional improvisers. Most classes begin with a structured group warm-up. Traditionally, that's in a circle where we can really start to get to know each other and work together. Then Generally, after that, we would break up into smaller teams for games and exercises, but it's rare that a lot of teams will be working on something at the same time. Improv really is about the team working together. So as improv teachers, we tend to want to keep everybody together in the same mindset at the same time. All right, great. That's uh, that's really helpful. And, and, and it's actually interesting to hear that so many people who are not so-called improvisers are are taking these classes since the lessons or the tools can be applied in so many ways and in so many different ways or, or actually transferred over to other places. I mean, basically, that's what we're doing here. So, so I love that. Um, okay, Katie. So, so I did some research about improv before before this discussion, and it seems like one of the rules or tenets that improv performers follow is. This thing called always take care of your partner. And I immediately wanted to learn more about it because it seems like it could be related to things like collaboration and teamwork, which are obviously themes that college students are going to be hearing a lot about once they get into the into the workforce. So with this in mind, maybe you could tell us what always take care of your partner is and why it's so important. Yes, you're right. Taking care of your partner is everything, everything, everything <laughs> while you're improvising. Teamwork makes the dream work. Teamwork makes the dream work. That is a huge part of what we're doing as improvisers. Improv is a team sport. We work together. It's not the kind of thing where one person kind of shines outside of a group and everyone else is dull or in the background. Improv is all about collaboration. When improv is working to its best moments, it's because everyone is lifting each other up. You look good if I look good. I look good if you look good. We're all working together to shine spotlights on each other. And if I take the time to shine a spotlight on you as my scene partner in the moment, I know that that spotlight will come back to me because my partner is also taking the time to make sure that I shine. Collaboration is everything. We're always working together with other people and we're never up there alone while we're improvising, which is for a lot of us, one of the things that I find to be the most beautiful. I love to work together with people and hear their voice. Improv is a harmony. It's not about solo singing. It's not about taking your moment to, you know, be Ariana Grande. Ah! It's really about working together and making my voice work beautifully with somebody else's voice. I love how you call improv a team sport. That's that's just great. And and this whole idea of shining the spotlight on someone, on somebody else, it, it's it's actually really important for the for the college students listening. This is a lesson that you should really take to heart. Look, you know how important collaboration and teamwork are in college. It's just magnified when you get out into the workforce, especially since everybody around you, from your coworkers to your boss, they're actually going to be watching to see if you're a team player. And if you're not, it could actually hurt you. I mean, you might lose out on opportunities. Your reputation can suffer. So, so that's a build the people up around you. Build them up. Support their ideas. 
shine the spotlight on them. And, and just, just like an improv, the spotlight will come back and shine on you because that's what happens when you're truly a team player. Pe- people take notice. Um, okay, Katie, so, so one thing I think we all realize is that you have to do all these exercises if you take an improv class. Now, when I was doing my research you know, for our discussion here, I kept coming across two of them. One was called Yes And, and the other was called Follow the Follower. And they both sounded really interesting because they seem to focus a lot on listening, which, not surprisingly, is a skill that the students who are listening are definitely going to need to hone when they enter the workforce. Can you talk about those two exercises? Definitely, yeah. Improv classes are filled with exercises. There's so, so, so many. Yes and is the number one tenant, rule, exercise, what have you, of improv. Everything is based on the concept of yes and. So the exercise of yes and, it's a fundamental game in improv that establishes the idea of building something together with somebody else one step at a time. Hmm. When you're playing yes and, one of the people in the scene begins a scene with with any simple line. For example, today is my birthday. Something basic, something that gives one bit of information but doesn't give too much. Then your partner would reply in some way like, yes, and, and then fills it in. So yes, and I didn't get you a gift. Or yes, and I'm coming to your party. Or yes, and it's my birthday too, right? What I'm saying is they can respond in any way. They just have to acknowledge the truth of it is my birthday because that's what I set up. And then they yes and it, and then it comes back to me, and then I yes and. So if we, if we ended on yes and, it's my birthday too, then the next thing I would say is yes and we're having a party together or something like that that acknowledges that not only now it's my birthday, but it's also your birthday too. Hmm. Saying yes and is about accepting whatever the whatever gift and we do call it a gift as much as it might seem sometimes like it isn't everything that you say while you're improvising is a gift it's acknowledging and accepting the gift that your partner gave and then adding your voice and a big your part voice of it, comes in in the end a big part of it's listening i mean you have to listen to to basically even know what that is so that's a that is a big part of it yeah oh my goodness it's it's everything it's yeah. everything how can you say yes to something right. you didn't hear right how can you say yes to something that was different than what you expected if you're so in your head thinking about what you think someone's going to say? Right. And the amount of times somebody says exactly what you think they're going to say is very rare. <laughs> right. Because <laughs> their voices, their sets of circumstances are different than ours. And we have to actually be able to hear them and listen to them in order to really add our voice in a way that feels cohesive and can build together. Yeah, I love that. Um, uh, so yes and is it's, it's truly everything because you don't know where it's going to go. You can't plan an improv scene in the beginning. You might think, oh, I know where it's going to go. It's going to do this, that, this, that. And I promise you it's not going to because <laughs> you have somebody else's voice in there. It's like in life, you can't plan a conversation. You think like, oh, I'm going to say this and then she's going to say that. And guess what? She doesn't. Instead, she says something completely different. Right. So it's, you know, anytime you're in, in human interaction, you can't plan how it's going to go. And you have to accept the gifts from your partner and also trust the gifts you're giving. And that's the true basis of the yes and game. Yeah, I love that. How about following the follower? Following the followers is really fun and silly. Following the follower is a very 
what might seem simple, organic exercise that is absolutely based on listening and accepting gifts, even those unintended by the giver. The way following the follower works is you're in a circle setting and you're just observing everything. Listening is key. And when I say listening, I'm, I mean listening with your ears and your eyes, which I know that's watching. I understand that. But I think that listening is a more active concept than just watching. So we're listening, taking everything in. And you start to imitate anything at all that you see or hear. There's not one person leading. There's not one person, you know, making the choices for the scene. Everybody in the circle is following anything that they see. So maybe somebody, you know, ha scratches their ear unintentionally. Everybody else in the circle all of a sudden starts scratching their ear. Maybe somebody coughs. Everybody coughs. Maybe somebody shifts their weight. Everybody starts to shift their weight. And it becomes this beautiful cacophony of sound and movement and energy where everybody is just building and saying yes to every little thing that exists in this universe in this moment. It's cool because it hones our listening to a really acute level. You know, watch everything. What yeah. happens if you actually see everything and hear it and then actually allow for it to exist rather than censoring it or taking it out you know it, there's there's no sense of oh she didn't mean to cough so I'll remove that from the scene no she didn't mean to cough but it's still the gift that she gave in that moment and therefore it exists in my universe That's great. it's actually exhilarating how this kind of game can open up your senses and get you listening yeah, in a really that, more cute way it's interesting I, I, because I think the students listening can borrow a lot from both of these exercises first first yes and which forces you to listen, to really listen, because you have to build on what the person is talking about. And the only way to do that is is to truly be listening to them. And, and that's just so important because no, no situation or conversation goes the way we think it will in our heads. So for you students out there listening, you might think that you can plan maybe how an interview with a recruiter or a hiring manager or even a meeting with your future boss is going to go, but you just can't. I mean, it's not realistic. But if you, if you become a great listener who hears what they're saying and, and, and is able to build on that, you're going to be fine when you're in those situations where you think you, where you, think you know what's going to happen, but it doesn't happen. And, and follow the follower is, another, is an interesting one, too, because it sort of takes yes and and the whole idea of listening a step further by adding an observation or, as, as Katie put it, listening with your eyes as well as with your ears. And, and I'll say this. I... I I really think both of these exercises can help make you a better listener and that's going to help you in so many ways when when you get out into the workforce. It's it, it, it's going to help you even when you're interviewing, it's going to help you in all types of jobs from client service jobs to IT jobs to sales jobs, you name it. It's it's even going to help you with networking. I mean, it's going to help you across your entire career. Um so so you know something you could do maybe Google yes and and google follow the follower and actually practice them i mean seriously give them a try all right so for the next next few questions katie yeah. i'm gonna put you on the spot and i guess cool. I, I mean it's kind of apropos right i mean we're talking about improv <laughs> so i'll take it right so what i'm gonna do is i'm gonna lay out some situations that college students are, are definitely gonna face and see which improv tenants or exercise or rules that you think might be most helpful and why. Okay. S okay. So um, so first one. 
Yeah. We all know you, you get out, you know, when you go on a job interview, you need to be prepared for surprises, right? You need mm-hmm. to expect the unexpected, especially unexpected questions where you got to think on your feet. So with this in mind, what do you think the approach, what are some approaches, improv approaches or exercise uh, exercises that college students could use when preparing for job interviews and those surprises that might come at them, those curveballs? Yeah, yeah. Expect the unexpected all the time. <laughs> all the time. Expect the unexpected. We think we know how situations are going to go, and they don't. As much as you want to be prepared for things, and I believe in being prepared, we can't actually anticipate how experiences are going to go. Like in an improv scene, you can't anticipate mm-hmm. how it's going to end when it begins. And absolutely is the same for an interview. One of the most important things that we talk about while improvising is trusting yourself, trusting your voice. And you have to be able to trust yourself even when things are going off the rails, (laughs) even when things are going to places you really never anticipated. The biggest thing you can still do is be confident in yourself and in your voice. We do an exercise while we're improvising that we call an expert hot seat. What happens in the expert hot seat is an improviser sits in a seat in front of their audience and they're given a topic that they are the quote unquote expert on. Now, this is something that this actual person usually knows nothing about. You know, maybe (laughs) they're the expert on the solar system, maybe the expert on the Spice Girls, maybe (laughs) they're the expert on woodworking, you know, something that is completely outside of their actual realm of information. And they have to kind of be the expert on that topic. They're given a a determined amount of time, usually five to ten minutes, which might sound like a long time, but it's amazing how time flies. And say they're given five minutes to sit up there, and they have to tell you everything there is to know about the solar system (laughs) and answer questions about the solar system. And we play this game where we don't actually care if the information is correct what we want you to do is be confident with it. We want you to avoid things like, um, we want you to avoid, I think, I think, I guess, you know, things like that, that are kind of backdoors, kind of uh, crutches while we're communicating things that avoid confidence. So this person has to answer questions about the solar system or about woodworking with ultimate confidence <laughs> in interviews. We it's easy to take a back seat and it's easy to second guess ourselves yeah. and it's easy to uh, give ourselves less credit than we deserve. And I don't think that actually serves us. I think that the best thing we can do is come into an interview or an audition or whatever it is where you want to succeed and own your words. Be proud and confident with what you know. Don't apologize for knowing things and don't ask permission for being knowledgeable. Own it. You know, that's, and that's such a good strategy because it, it, that's even a strategy that the college students who are, who are listening could, could practice. Yeah. Like that's something they could practice before an interview, you know, with, with friends or, or what have you, just to get, just to get prepared in, for those curveballs and those things that are coming at them, those, those surprises and sounding confident in their responses. So I, I, I really love that. That's, that's a great exercise. Um, cool. All right. So I'm going to give you another scenario. Yes. All right. College students are absolutely going to have to, when they when they get out into the workforce or out into the quote-unquote real world, network. 
Yeah. Now, now they now <laughs> they they might need to network to get a job. They might need to network as part of their job, right? If they're if they're in a sales job, they might need to network. Um, and 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 networking's a skill they're going to need for their entire career. We know that. Yeah. Now, networking can be awkward. It can be right. uncomfortable. It can be unnatural. You need to strike up a conversation with a stranger. You need to keep the conversation going. So <laughs> so it can be a little a little um, a little awkward. So with that in mind. Maybe you could talk specifically about approaches or exercises used in improv that, that might help them in that situation. Yeah, absolutely. Networking is such a funny thing because it's so important. And I think we put a lot of pressure and stress on it where it's really just a conversation. It's just a conversation like we have all the time, but maybe because it has more importance, we put this kind of thing on it that I think is unnecessary and I think gets in the way of it. You know, I want you to look at networking the way you look at beginning any conversation, beginning for our needs, obviously beginning any scene. Um, beginning a scene, we want you to give a gift. We use an exercise while well, in improv that's uh, called you. The game is called you. And the way that you works is you begin a scene with the first line of dialogue just begins with the word you. You look beautiful today or, you know, you aren't supposed to be here or you are my best friend. I don't know anything like that. Any gift that begins with you. And then every line back and forth begins with that word you. So every line is a gift. Every line is something that is something you're observing about somebody. And those kind of things can really build a scene where people might not know each other. You're, you're connecting with what you're observing in that moment. I think while we're networking, we want to feel heard. The person you're talking to wants to feel noticed. They want to feel like you see them and hear them. Mm -hmm. So really goes to listening. Listening is everything while we're improvising. And I think it's everything in any conversation, including a networking conversation. Yeah. Listen to the person that you're talking to. Observe them. What things do they like? What things are they connecting to? Acutely listen. And then you'll be able to respond with honesty. Use your yes and. Yes and is a conversation starter just as much as it is an improv tenant. If they say they like baseball in a scene, find a way, yes, and any connection that you have to baseball or anything, any way that you can connect to their likes and their interests is going to just make you more appealing to them and somebody they might want to continue to work with. Yeah, that's See, that's great. It, there's so much to that because, I mean, that idea of listen and observe and then that the, the idea, the exercise of you, the, the yeah. you is just the ultimate icebreaker. It, it, right. As you, as you were saying, I was like, wow, that's just such an incredible icebreaker. So I think I think the college students listening to this will, will can can benefit from that in networking. But also and you, and I agree that yes and to start a conversation, but also to keep a conversation going. So because sometimes that's what happens if you're if you're you start you strike up a conversation with someone and then it kind of drags or, or there's a lull. Yes. And <laughs> could re right. Right. Yes. And could really <laughs> kind of get it back on track. So and it, it really okay, comes back to listening, observing. But I, I just think that's that's that, that's invaluable, you know, um, insight and information for, for the students who are listening. So um, so I love that. So. Yeah, right. you're absolutely right. While we're in a scene, sometimes it will, you know, the information will stop. And I always say to my students, 
respond to the last thing heard. How do you feel? How does your character feel about the last thing heard? And I think we can take that into a conversation with anybody, whether it's an interview, whether it's networking, whether it's, you know, talking to your mother, anybody respond to the last thing heard. How can you yes, say yes, and your add your and to the last thing heard, it will make it so that the conversation never kind of dies in that moment. And it always has new life because you're always adding new information, adding your and to the very last thing that you heard. And a lot of times it's adding your emotion. How do you feel about the last thing heard? I'm interested in, you know, cupcakes or whatever, anything that was heard. Connect to your emotion. Yeah, it's great. Um, Okay. So the next, the next one's a little bit tricky. So I'm I'm curious to see if you even have an answer for this one. Um, So there's going to be times when the college students who are listening are are, are on a, let's say a job interview and the interviewer might tell them that they don't have the experience that they need. And and, and, Ah. right. So, so, (laughs) right. We've all been in this situation and it really, it makes you nuts because when someone says that to to you, you, all you can think is, well, how can I have the experience if no one's willing to give me a chance to get the experience? Exactly. It's like the chicken or the egg. So I'm wondering if you can think of any approaches or exercises using improv that might help them in, in this pretty unique situation. Yeah, that is the worst. We've all been there. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Everyone has been there. The, student, and the I students listening the, haven't been there yet, but I'm, oh, I'm sure, oh but they're going to be well, there. I, I hope it never happens for you, <laughs> right. but it might. Um, improv, the cool thing, one of the things that I really connect to in, in improv is that improv is all about focusing on the positive and not dwelling on the negative. The negativity honestly, it won't serve your scene and it won't serve your partner and it won't serve you in the moment. And I think that that's something that we can take into any of these experiences. Yeah, there will be negative moments in an interview or in a network setting, but don't dwell on that. Why Hmm. spend time focusing on that? In those moments, rather than dwelling on what experience you don't have, Spin it back to the positive. What skills do you have that will apply to this line of work? What are the things that you can offer to them? Rather than spending time getting in kind of a downward spiral about the experience you don't have, Hmm. it just doesn't serve. When you're in a scene, it absolutely won't serve the scene. Take that time to bring it back to the positivity, the things that you will bring to the table, the skills that you feel confident in. Remember, confidence is everything in an interview. So spin it back to the things that you do feel confident about and how they would be lucky to have you offer those amazing skills to their environment. Yeah, that's a really interesting strategy. I'm trying to think of a um, an example for the students that are listening. You know, like say you're say you're on an interview, and the interviewer says, "You know, we're, we're you know we're looking for somebody with a bit more programming or marketing or whatever experience to lead some of these some of our projects." Basically, don't dwell on the programming or marketing experience part, but zero in on the part about leading projects, and and maybe talk about the fact that. You held a leader posi- leadership position in an organization that you volunteer for, or, or maybe you led a fundraiser for your fraternity or sorority. In other words, focus on the leadership part and take the fo- focus off that experience, that programming and marketing experience part. I mean, I think that's basically what you're saying, right, Katie? 
yes, in that moment, and they're talking about leader leading a team, you know, yeah, maybe you haven't led a team in an office environment. Of course not. Maybe you're just out of college. You haven't had that opportunity. But maybe you can reference when you were a counselor at summer camp and you were able to right. lead a group, you know, canoeing down the river for two days and how you found leading that group was really successful and some of the challenges and successes that you found in that one. No, it's maybe not exactly the same as being in an office, but they just want to imagine you living these practices. And if you haven't had the office time to have done it for that amount of time, how can you apply it to the things that you have done? Right. Maybe you've had to lead your brother in something or your fraternity or a class project, but find something that you have done that fills in those same qualifications that wasn't maybe in an office setting. Right. And, and that other part, you know, the other part of it is completely forgotten by that point because you've moved exactly. on. Exactly. Yeah. So, so the, uh, okay, so let's, let's move on. So obviously a, a big part of improv revolves around this idea of trust and, and trusting your partner. Uh, and of course, sometimes performers might not know each other all that well, but they still yeah. need to trust that other person. Now, we all know that trust is a, a key component of any of any successful team and, and, and a lot of the students listening will they're gonna enter the workforce and they're need you're they're gonna need to work on a team and they're and they're gonna need to quickly learn to trust their team members, their coworkers, whoever they're working with, as well as let them know that they're trustworthy themselves. So can you talk a little bit about trust and its role in improv as well as things like how it's established among performers, especially since in some cases they might not know each other and they need to create that bond, so to speak, pretty quickly? Yeah, absolutely. Trust is is everything. You know, improv is a, is a team sport and it can only be accomplished as a group and collaboration is beautiful when it's working and you know when you can accomplish so much more in a team setting when you're actually trusting both your partners and yourself that's the challenge right. is to be trusting yourself at the same time that you're actually listening to and trusting your partners hmm. initially listening to people is a lot of where trust is built. Even in those first few uh, moments of a conversation, try to hear them, try to hear what's important to them and allow for that to be true. There's a game in improv called Ad Agency, which really is about becoming a team. I do it with improvisers that have never met one another and we put them together in a group, five or six people. And the game is that they are a part of an ad agency. They've been given this product and they have to come up with a campaign to advertise and to promote this product. For our services, it's a made-up product. You know, maybe it's a toothbrush that can bring you to the moon or something completely ridiculous like that. Um, but they have to create a, a jingle, a slogan, come up with their target audience. They have to come up with a whole ad campaign to promote this product. And they have to do it together as a team. Now, the special added game in this exercise is that they're not allowed to say no to anybody's idea. In this exercise, every idea is a good idea. Every idea that somebody puts out there, we say yes, even though to you, it might sound crazy and it might be completely different than what you might have given in that moment. You have to say yes to it and then allow for it. And it's really exciting how you watch it 
kind of snowball and grow this concept of just saying yes to gifts, even when they feel challenging. Then they say, you know, this toothbrush, say, brings you to the moon. Someone says, oh, yes, and we should make sure that it's white because so it looks like an astronaut outfit, right? And you think, well, an astronaut wears orange. That's wrong. And your initial instinct is to say, no, 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 it should not be white. It should be orange. Mm. What happens if you say, yes. It will be white, and then we'll also have a bonus edition that's orange that costs more, right? Then you allow the white and the orange to both exist. The way I look at giving gifts and scenes, think about it as giving gifts in life, right? If if you had a friend and you wrapped up a beautiful gift for them for the holiday and you gave it to them, and they opened it up and they said, nope, no thank you, I don't want it, and handed it back to you. How would you feel? Right. Would you want to give them more gifts? Maybe one more time. You're going to give them something else. Okay, well, I got you this. No, 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 no. I don't want that. Take it back. That's great. You would stop giving them gifts. Mm -hmm. You just would. It's just human nature. You would think, well, I don't want to give you anything else. And well, maybe you can give the gift next time. And that's what happens in a collaboration. If, if I put things out there, if I, you know, jump off that ledge and say, here's an idea. And everyone says, no, 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 no. That is a bad idea. We don't like that idea. We don't allow that idea. We don't accept that idea. Ultimately, human nature is that I'm going to stop giving them. So we have to nurture other people's ideas. Otherwise, the team setting will sort of implode. It will dry up if people don't feel safe to give ideas. So what happens if you say yes to somebody's idea? What happens if you accept it and allow it? And the ad agency game really helps us with that concept. That's just such a great exercise for the students who are listening to hear hear about it, maybe and even practice because it really can help get them in the in the practice of supporting other people's ideas, which is is so important in every industry and in every job. I mean, you need to listen to people's ideas and find ways to build on them, to to yes and them, if you will, not just shut them down. Because if you become the person who squashes other people's ideas, people will, they'll, they'll just stop coming to you. They'll, they'll stop involving you. But you know what's interesting is like, we just keep coming back to listening. Yep. It, it, and it just seems like, and obviously we all can talk about well, how do I become a better listener or, or what have you? But it just seems like listening is really it sits at the foundation, the core of improv. Listening, it's it's everything. And I think it's something that we forget to do a lot of times. <laughs> yeah. I think that, you know, we spend so much time on our phones and texting and getting information coming in that we sometimes forget to actually hear and listen to what other people are saying. And it's 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 everything that we do as improvisers. And I think it's really helpful in all aspects of our lives. You know, what happens if we actually listen? I think a lot of times when people are speaking, we're sort of planning our next response yeah. rather than actually hearing what they're saying, planning something to say that's like really smart or really funny or really cool or, you know, fill in the blank. And, you know, as improvisers, we're constantly exploring what happens if we actually slow down and hear it? What if we actually take in what somebody is saying, even when it's not what we think they're going to say? You know, that's where we build true conversation and that's where we create true ideas together. We, listening is so much of what we do while we're improvising. We have a lot of exercises that work 
uh, you know, that work on the concept of listening. One that sticks out in my mind is, uh, is something called a one word story. The way that a one word story works is that everybody in the group would sit in a circle or stand in a circle and we would build a, sur- a story one word at a time. Right. So it's like, you know, each person, you know, once upon a time, there was a puppy or, you know, whatever it is. And everybody sings one word at a time. And this game is literally nothing without listening. If you stop listening, you're going to completely lose track of where the story is going. All of a sudden, it's going to be the now you go, you know, like (laughs) the whole sentence is going to completely fall apart. And you have to listen to where it's going to know what can I contribute? What can I add? Because if you're just in your head thinking, I want to add something hilarious or great, it's not going to fit the story and it's ultimately going to completely derail the story. So with this, we have to really, really listen and watch where the story is going so that we can harmonize in that kind of beautiful way. And you know, and, and there, to build on listening a little bit, and, and, and you, yeah. had, you did say this earlier, it was this idea that listening is not just hearing with your ears. It's also there. It's watching. It, you know, you could put watching under that umbrella as well because it's seeing what people are doing. Yeah, I really believe that. I say to my students, listen with your ears and your eyes. Yeah. And I know that that's watching. I understand that that's watching. Right, right. But I really believe that listening in its truest sense is more active than watching. So when we're listening, really listening, we're taking everything in. Yeah. What is that person? What makes them uncomfortable? What makes them comfortable? What gives them joy? And these are things that we can only see with our eyes. When we're in a conversation, when we're in a team, when we're in an interview, anything like that, if we're just thinking about what we want to say or just thinking about what we can offer, we're going to miss opportunities to connect with the person. Mm. And that could be the thing that sets you apart in those moments. Listening is, is absolutely everything. Yeah, that's great. I mean, and for the college students who are listening, I'm listening to this, (laughs) um, you know, if you were, if you were planning on looking up a, uh, looking for an article or a blog or something on the internet about how to become a better listener, you, you can stop right now. <laughs> just listen to that. Listen to what, what Katie just told us. Cause I think it's, <laughs> it's better than anything you're going to find out there. That was great. Awesome. Um, okay. So there's not a student out there listening who doesn't al- already know that when they get out into the quote unquote real world, that they're going to mess some things up. They're going to, they're going to fail. Now, from what I understand, failure is actually built into the improv process. Sometimes scenes flop or they just don't work. Now, obviously, improv students learn somehow to to embrace, maybe even welcome failure. And I'm wondering, how do you help them view failure as part of the process, maybe even as a good thing? How do, how do you keep them motivated and enthusiastic? I'm, I'm curious because I think we might uncover some strategies and approaches that will help the students who are listening with, with the speed bumps that they're definitely going, that they're definitely going to face at some point. Yeah. That's one of my favorite things about improv is as a, is there are no mistakes, only happy accidents. While you're improvising in a scene, failure really doesn't exist because we're accepting everything. We're allowing for everything. Right. We're embracing everything, even the unexpected. So, yeah. So your character coughed. Okay, cool. So you tripped over your words. Great. Cool. Awesome. 
who cares? Right. You know, I think we make things a big deal and we do what I call, we shine this mistake spotlight yeah. on other people or on ourselves yep. all the time. You know, Oh, that's wrong. That's bad. That's wrong. You didn't mean to say that. And, or, or on ourselves, even worse, you know, we shine this, this spotlight on ourselves when we've done something that we think is incorrect for whatever reason. And, I really think it doesn't serve anything. A lot of times people don't even know you made a mistake right. until you do this, this thing that's like, oh my God, oh my gosh, I can't believe I just did that, blah, 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 blah. A lot of times people have no idea that something was a mistake, that you didn't mean to say that, that you didn't mean to do something. So, you know, the, the, my, I think my least favorite phrase in the English language is I'm my own worst critic. I really think that it doesn't serve anything at all. You know, there's plenty of people out there to <laughs> critique you. Don't be on the list right. and most certainly don't be the number one spot of there. You know, when you make little mistakes, cool, you're human. It's not that big of a deal. It's the way that you treat those mistakes that that actually become big things. Um, you know, failure doesn't isn't doesn't exist while we're improvising. Yeah. If you do something unexpected, it's okay. If you do something unplanned, it's okay. If you do something that maybe wasn't the smartest or funniest thing you've ever said, it's okay because I'm your partner and I will accept it and I will yes and it and it will become a part of the fabric of what we create. Yeah, see that's great because I mean th those little, you know, those little mistakes or mishaps or speed bumps can cripple you at times right absolutely I mean, you can just you could just dwell on them and dwell on them and, and this is it's such a great perspective to to just let those things go so if you have a bad interview or a bad meeting it, it it's okay we learn more from those failure moments yeah, than we point. do sometimes from our successes so if you have one of those failure times in the moment try your hardest not to you know as i said show, shine that mistake spotlight on yourself right. but afterwards it's also okay to reflect on it and think wow that didn't go great that's okay what am I learning from it? I really believe that after any experience, you want to go back with yourself, maybe look in the mirror and say, what did I do that was successful? What did I do that I want to continue to learn from? And those failures, those moments that you were challenged, you're going to learn from those because chances are you're not going to make that same mistake the next time. So allow yourself, let yourself off the hook, but at the same time, allow it to be a learning experience for yourself so that next time, if you're faced with a similar challenge, you make an alternate choice. Yep. And and you made a good point as well. I mean, uh, there's probably a good percentage of the time where the other person didn't even notice. <laughs> Honestly, yep. it's so funny how yep. we're such critiques of ourselves yep. and other people have no, no idea. idea. Yep, it's true. All right, so we, we've um, we covered a lot of ground here. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think, and, and, and I think it's great because there really are a lot of strategies um, and, and, and exercises and, and rules and approaches used in improv that can benefit the students listening. So, but one last question. Yeah. Based on what we've discussed, is there any improv approach or, or, or tenant or rule that we didn't talk about that you think could be helpful to the students listening when they, when they get out and into the workforce or into the real world? Yeah, I, you know, of course I believe that all these improv skills are life skills. These are things built to create a scene, yes, but a scene is just a conversation. Yep. A scene is just an interaction between two people. So everything that we work on to build a scene are things that we're building in the scenes of our lives. 
are seen when we talk to our parents about our hopes and dreams and the scene where we hopefully get a position and a scene where we work together with a team to create something. All of these things apply in really beautiful ways. And one thing I believe that's important is to be emotionally honest and to be available. Don't be afraid of how you feel about things. Be Express yourself, express your honesty, express your emotional needs in those moments. And it might be interesting how people respond to those kind of things. Also to not be afraid in a group setting and an interview or anything like that to share focus. Give the focus to somebody else. Mm. And then also when it's your turn, take it. Take the focus. You don't have to have a backseat in your own life. Take the focus. Take those moments to express your truth. Take those moments to let your opinions be heard. And then at the same time, give that focus to somebody else and allow their opinions and their thoughts to matter and exist. So that's how you build the fabric of something together with others. Yeah, Katie, this, I gotta tell you, this was, this was a really inspiring, it was a lot of fun. So Yay! Uh, yeah, thank Improv! You, yeah, thank you so much <laughs> for being uh, our unexpected professor today. We appreciate that. Thank you so much for having me, John. I really enjoyed it. All right, and for you students out there, some of you may have been skeptical and, and wondered if we could actually find some skill building strategies from improv, but I'm hoping that we showed you it's possible and, and armed you with some approaches that you'll consider using now. Uh, when you're looking for a job, when you get out into the workforce, even even for your entire career. And, and, and remember, when you're looking for ideas and you're looking for inspiration, don't limit yourself to those expected sources. Do what we did here and consider unexpected sources as well. Like I said earlier, this is something that PepsiCo does to create new products, to spur innovation, to infuse diversity of thought, and, and even to build employee skills. And we wanted you to have the opportunity to experience that. And of course... If you want to be a part of a culture like that, you should check with your career center to see if or when PepsiCo will be on your campus at a career fair or maybe in the classroom or even partnering with a student organization. And, and of course, definitely check out opportunities at pepsicojobs.com. And when you apply, be sure to indicate that you, you heard about opportunities through this podcast series. Thanks so much for listening.